Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio, another true story from True Story FM. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Well, today we're going to do something a little bit different than our typical podcast episode. Last week was the Engage for Good conference, where we released our latest report on point-of-sale fundraising. You'll find the links to that report and infographic in the show notes of today's episode. But for this episode of Cause Talk Radio, I thought it would be fun to share my conversation from the conference with three point-of-sale fundraising superstars who discuss some of their best practices and lessons learned. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I know that I did. It's my great pleasure to introduce to you Carrie McHugh, Executive Director of Duncan Joy and Childhood Foundation, who appears on this list having raised $2.7 million through their Give Cheer campaign and over $16.2 million since 2012. Chad Royal Pasco, Acting Senior Vice President of Resource Development at the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, who raised $3.8 million with Ross Stores, $3.5 million with Bridgestone, $1.6 million with Old Navy, just to name a few of the five campaigns that they have that appear on this year's list. And last but not least, Christy Duncan Anderson, Executive Director and President of Albertsons Companies Foundation, who is a newcomer to the top five this year, raising $67.9 million for local hunger organizations. And that is not the only campaign of theirs that appears on this year's list, if you can believe that. So welcome, welcome, welcome to all of you. You can unmute yourselves too, folks. Thank you. So excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I have asked our panelists today to start out um, with a tall order, and that is in 60 seconds or less, would you give us a quick overview of your point-of-sale fundraising efforts and what you think your secret sauce is as it relates to money at point-of-sale? So I'm going to ask Chad to kick us off first, if you don't mind. Okay, thank you very much. Um, You know, I will say that I've been with the organization um, about eight years now, and this is one of the reasons why I joined the organization. Um, We had many of the top um, companies in America, if not the world, already involved within within our organization, but there was no opportunity to engage um, customers or engage employees in many cases. So it is really that 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 really fueled my beginning here. And I do think that that is the secret sauce, is that we already had the corporate commitment in most cases. And then you give the opportunity for customer engagement because you told them the reason why the corporation is supporting. And then we give the opportunity for the employees to be engaged. I also think that for us is that many companies are further engaged in our mission. So if we take, for example, um, Old Navy, who works on a program called This Way Onward, is that it's about providing jobs um, for kids, which is one of the big things for our organization. So it is like four separate things that meets both business needs, that has a philanthropic need, that has both um, you know, corporate entities and shared values. And then um, for us, I think organizationally, one of the reasons why we're really successful is because of our scale and our scope and our relevance um, to reach into those local communities because of our 4,700 clubs that are located across the nation, which, which helps a lot. Absolutely. Good job, Chad. Thank you. All right, Christy, how about you? 
Okay, before you start my 60-second stopwatch, I just want to say how excited I am to be here with such a, a great panel. And I don't think I've ever been called a superstar, so I'm just going to take that in. You are. <laughs> well. And um, I'm also um, thrilled to be number two. Um, it's actually, I think, in some ways better to be number two than number one <laughs> because we still have a lot more to strive for. And actually, I think that's part of our secret sauce is that we have... Um, you know, Albertsons Companies Foundation is a grocery store. We operate under a whole bunch of different names across the country. Um, we have 2,300 stores. And um, a lot of our fundraising is done on the pin pad, which is completely infallible. We don't rely on humans. But yet we still engage our employees. And our employees love contests. They love to be the best. They, they, they're not too happy with number two. So that's great. Glad we're number two because they're not happy with being number two. They're going to want to be number one. And I think that's our secret sauce. I love that. How about you, Carrie? So I think Christy hit on a couple of the same points that I would agree with. Um, I mean, our program is very simplistic. Um, it is, uh, you know, for $1 buy a, you know, it's different some year, you know, some years it's a little coffee cup or a sprinkle, put your name on it, get stuck on the wall. You give a dollar, you get a coupon back for a dozen donuts that, you know, a small percentage of people actually use. Um, but I think the stores that do really remarkably are the ones where the crew is excited about it. And it's going to sound crazy is like using the stickers to draw things in the store. Um, you know, to, you know, it, they're always huge, have huge hearts and they're clearly doing it for the right reason, but you know, they want to spell out joy uh, in stickers, super huge um, and send it. And, and those are the stores that just really do incredibly the ones who you know, get into the competition and get into the, um, get into the, you know, the physicality of the program. Um, so they're asking guests and they're, um, excited and they understand what the money goes to. Um, and I think that the simpler the programs can be, um, I mean, you kind of joke that we only had 60 seconds to do this. I really believe the simpler the program, really the more effective it is. Um, and in some ways the grocery stores have it where, you know, it's just on the pin pad. Um, you know, so it, I wouldn't say that there's anything particularly exciting. We do, you know, a lot of kind of marketing and excitement and enthusiasm around, which we can talk about during some of the other questions, but the program itself is quite simple. Thank you, Carrie. Um, based on all of those answers, I think you can all see why I chose these panelists because I wanted them, I wanted somebody who would sort of tell it like it is. And all three of my panelists today, I think really, uh, epitomize the the sharing community that we try to um, culture to uh, nurture here at Engage for Good. So, all right, next question. What's a challenge you have to contend with in your point of sale fundraising efforts that you don't think most of us are aware of? Um, Carrie, I'm actually going to ask you to kick us off on this one as well. So I think probably our biggest challenge is that um, Duncan is franchised. So I think a lot of people don't realize that a franchisee is actually an independent business owner and that we have a lot of them across the country that Duncan doesn't own any of its restaurants. And so every year we have to um, sell into the franchisees to get them excited about this program, which means every year we have to make the business case for why, why they should use their time, energy, and money uh, for the program. You know, it's not necessarily that franchisees give money directly, but they give money through the coupon. And also it's a lot of time and space within the store. I mean, literally mm. 
those posters, this is why I really shouldn't talk about like the people who plastered all in because the marketing part hates that. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't encourage that. Um, the uh, it's significant. So every year we have to sell into franchisees. Um, they're terrific. It always, you know, I wouldn't say that anymore. I really worry about them accepting the program, but it does mean every year we have to stop and say, what's the business reason? Um, and what do you say? What's the most compelling business reason to those franchisees, Carrie? Like what works? So, at this point, I think the most compelling is that the, 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 um, what we give to has become very public. So our mm-hmm. dogs for joy program or our teen proms, or even the, um, what we give to childhood, um, to, uh, childhood feeding programs has become very public and we do a lot of communications very locally. So we try for franchisees to be able to see it in their local papers. We try, you know, they care the most about the consumers in their home, you know, in the towns that their stores are in. And so um, it's not always PR agency's favorite uh, route, but, you know, I continually say, I want the Canton Times. I want the, you know, just this little tiny town. Um, and so I think that's a big piece of it. Their consumers coming in and saying things about what the foundation's doing and mm-hmm. their crew being excited. Um, you know, this, the secret sauce overall of corporate philanthropy, in my opinion, is that people have a personal connection to the money that's being given. I don't think it matters necessarily what the money's given to, as long as they can somehow relate it to a positive action. I mean, I think it, it matters in the grand schemes, but I don't think it's like, I care about healthcare, so therefore it must be in healthcare. I just want to see the company doing good. Um, and franchisees, I think, particularly this year after COVID, um, that that's become a much easier sell. That's fantastic. And you've got two other panelists who I think could also speak to the power of local and um, making sure those dollars stay local. Christy, what would you say is a challenge that you have to contend with? And I know you've had several um, that you don't think most of us are aware of. Christy is like the mastermind behind the scenes, like making things happen. (laughs) List in alphabetical order or not? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever Um, you prefer. You know, um, I actually, I actually think our biggest challenge is the same as what Carrie is saying. Even though we are mm. not franchisees, we are a very decentralized organization, and getting the buy-in from the ground up as well as the the top down is one of the hardest things. I think also there are so many amazing causes that really do make sense for our company, and we just can't do them all. And I really wish we could. If anybody has one of those Hermione time turners and can give it to me, I would really appreciate it because we could use it. I would love to double, triple what we can do in our stores, but there is a finite amount of time. And we also need to, we also have quite a few customers who do come and complain about um, being asked all the time at the register. Oh, interesting. So, so we do have, um, a, you know, varying amounts of people who come in and say, you know, they call into the call center. We actually, um, many, many years ago, had a board member who um, complained about the um, embarrassment of being asked at the check stand. Um, so we wow. have to give breaks within our schedule as well. So that even cuts down the time even further as to what we can do. So having this kind of massive local interest, making sure that it's very, very local, making sure that each of our our local 2,300 stores, we always say, you know, we have 2,300 CEOs, um, which is kind of crazy. It's a little bit like, you know, 
like herding goldfish in a way. Um, <laughs> not, not saying that our, 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 our store managers and store directors are goldfish, but just, you know, just so many different, a lot of people and competing priorities. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and, and yet we still have to kind of, um, tell a story as a company as a whole. So trying to gather focus while gathering everybody's local, um, energies. I think that is the biggest, um, the biggest challenge that we have. It's very similar to what Carrie's saying. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And I know that you had sort of when the pandemic hit this year, um, that whole selling up to the C-suite, that dynamic was flipped on its head and they were looking at you like, hey, what are we doing? Let's do more of that, right? Yeah, you know, COVID was a hard time, is a hard time. It still continues. And a lot of the issues from COVID are going to continue. I think particularly hunger has a really long tail um, uh, going out of out of, out of of the pandemic. Um, but there are, but there are a few silver linings, I will say, <laughs> and um, and one of them is that um, suddenly everybody wanted to know what they could do, and everybody looked to us to say what they could do, and said, "But let's do something together. Let's focus on yeah. something." And you know, somebody who's been trying to get focused within the company for many many years, <laughs> having having them say, "Hey, let's focus on something," it was a bit of a it was it was a bit of a bright spot, I'll say, <laughs> in the twenty twenty uh, mess of a year. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Chad, how about you? You're going to take this here from the nonprofit angle. What are the challenges that you guys run into? You know, definitely. So I think that it's a challenge, but I would also say that it's the absolute critical success factor. And having had this conversation with somebody that approached us in November of 2019 um, and setting up a campaign for, um, for the beginning of 20 or for April of 2020, they ask, what is the most critical thing that we have to do? And I think that it echoes what both Carrie and Christy have said in a different um, way. And that is that employee education is the most important thing that you can possibly do. You absolutely have to have the operations and the technology underneath it in order to support whatever it is that you're doing and how you're asking, et cetera. But the employee education is the most important thing, but it is the biggest challenge as well. So it's how do you break it down into bite-sized pieces so that somebody understands so that it doesn't slow down um, the flow of business because the business does still need to take place. Um, so things, you know, SKUs need to be rung up and out the door and we need to make this very easy for somebody as well. And also along with that employee education about what are they asking for and, and are they able to translate that really, really quickly, but also training them how to ask. Um, David, um, and I don't know how many years ago this was, uh, said something that that really stuck with me forever, and I've used it um, many, many times. And there was a study that was done is that what was the number one impediment for somebody at the cashier level or the employee level in order to be successful in in a POS campaign? And that is if they ask someone, if someone asked them back, what are you raising money for? And they weren't able to come up with a solid small answer, they literally will never ask anybody for the rest of the campaign to donate ever again. Wow. And and it's because they get flustered and it's like, I don't want to answer this. And so they they didn't and they weren't given that education from the very beginning. And so, you know, you can't overcomplicate what it is that they need to say. It needs to be easy. It needs to be quick. It needs to be accurate. I know for me, it's one of my biggest frustrations when someone asks me for money at a donation. If they can even hit it into the ballpark of what they're raising the money for, I will normally give to whatever I will normally give to whatever it is. But you do actually need to know what it is. I think the other one is really around um, technology 
is that, you know, sometimes we assume that this, this, and this is available to us. And you're kind of, you know, with a larger company that you assume that, and yet it's not possible. <laughs> so that's the, reason why in a, that's the reason why in a roundup campaign, why you see that little chart over on the side that says the roundup to 37 cents is 63 cents. And so somebody has to put in 63. It also goes back to technology as well. Um, and then I think, you know, from a nonprofit side is that we have, um, you know, we have the same issues I think that you have with, um, with the franchisees, et cetera, is that how much of the money is staying here locally and how do you tell that story? Um, and how do you, how do you do that? Um, and we have that certainly with our clubs, which are all, which are federated. So they are their own 501c3s and Boys and Girls Clubs of America is its own 501c3. And we're really providing the service and, and we work out, um, you know, that split with them. So I would say that, that that's really it, employee education um, and training. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's so interesting that um, I, I was so surprised to hear just over and over when it came to that pin pad integration, how long that took to happen. I, th- I mean, I think we hear from people, it's about two to three years. Maybe it was quicker in the pandemic, but... Um, and everyone's like, who does that? And it's typically a donation either from the POS provider or it's the in-house IT department who decides that they're going to do it. And that, you know, it's not always at the top of the priority list. So that's an excellent point. It's All right, Chad, you the, go the ahead. Coin, someone made this point earlier. The coin shortage uh, certainly put people on hyperdrive to try to solve it. Uh, right as that became kind of a, a, a top priority. We actually did not solve it, though uh, got very focused on it for a little while because of the coin shortage. Interesting. I think we will solve it probably, you know, in a year, um, but it's not... Uh, <laughs> it's you not th- it seems so easy. Like, why is it hard to round up? Yes, it seems... Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about very clearly. You, you, the IT people of the world are like, oh, this is not as easy as it looks. Yeah, that's an excellent point. All right. Uh, well, Chad, you sort of alluded to this a little bit, but I'm going to ask Christy to kick us off here. We, we've just talked about how important employees are in making these fundraising asks possible. Christy, what's your best advice for engaging employees? Um, well, I'm actually going to answer one of the questions I see, and that is about around Please. contests. Um, okay. And we have done many, many contests in the past. What we've actually learned is um, that individual contests don't seem to make as much of a difference as uh, large-scale contact contests. In, mm. For example, um, we want to beat last year's as a whole company. That actually, believe it or not, does seem to be more motivating and get everybody, you know, this was what you did last year. You need to, it's, I suppose it's a little bit of um, uh, pressure to, <laughs> um, you know, this is what you did last year. We're all trying to get more. So we, you know, you need to contribute to, because they don't want to be the lagging behind. Um, we also, I, you know, I interestingly, I recently did a um, a virtual um, focus group with a bunch of our associates, store level associates, and asked them if there is a contest, um, how would you design it, and what would you want to win? And um, I was floored because we had a whole bunch of options of what to win, and um, the the culture within our stores is very much a group culture. Um, nobody wanted to win something for themselves. Nobody, you know, we offered, you know, um, Apple watches, we offered, you know, iPhone, you know, all kinds of things that you could win. And 
the best was <laughs> the best was if we could have pizza with Kevin, that'd be great. And um, yeah. Kevin happens to be the most common name for one of our district managers. <laughs> so not even the president, <laughs> the president is Vivek, right? Not even the president, not their division, not you're not our CEO, not their division president, not like several, you know, just the, the district, pre- you know, having, having lunch with our, our district manager, having pizza was, oh man, if I could get lunch with Kevin, that would be great. And I'm happy to say that that's a lot cheaper so we can offer more. <laughs> You're like Kevin, you're going to be busy. <laughs> Kevin, get ready for some pizza. Um, but um, um, I think um, there's there's a bunch that we learned in the last year that I kind of want to share. Um, a lot of it has to do with you know engaging employees. Um, the first is, there's three things. The first is about being um, kind of about knowing you're crazy. You know, in our in our company local is really important. I have, um, forgive my, my diversions for just a moment, but I, we have a neighbor who, um, did not grow up with a lot and she didn't grow up with a Christmas tree. (laughs) So having a Christmas tree to her is a huge status symbol. And she has to, you know, she wants to have it set up and her husband could care less about it. She has a disability that means that she cannot put the Christmas tree up by herself. So starting about November 15th through December 24th, the tension next door just rises and rises and rises because she wants that Christmas tree up. And he's like, I don't care. Why should I put the Christmas tree up? Last year on Halloween, he had to go. We were all kind of hanging out on the street as you do with your mask and everything. And um, and he had to go. And I said, where are you going? He said, oh, I'm going to go set up the Christmas tree. And I said, why? Because I know my wife, I know her crazy and it makes her happy. So I'm just going to do that. And I thought, I thought you know what? Knowing your company's crazy, knowing the company, if you are a nonprofit, knowing that that company's crazy um, is so important to understand to make, to, to, to gain ground. And so for us, that making sure we're hyper local is really, really important. So all of the funds that we raise, actually, we attach stores to specific, we have a cause, but we attach stores to specific organizations that they're raising money for, make sure they know about it, make sure the organization um, comes in and somehow interacts with that store locally. So if they come in and say, you know, thank you, if they, we've had all kinds of things like uh, letters to the store, calls to the store, um, organizations bringing breakfast to the store. We had some that I don't recommend, like picketing outside our store saying, yay, this store is great. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can only imagine the chaos that ensued. Oh um, my goodness sweet. The concept was there. Letters from kids who've been fed. You know, that kind of understanding and knowing that local really helps to, for me, gaining focus is one of my, you know, one of the things that uh, is difficult. And so I can gain focus as long as I keep it local. So if I know they're crazy, if I know the Christmas tree has to be up and that'll maintain a happy home, then it works out very well. Um, quickly, the second thing we uh, I learned for sure is about using momentum. Uh, we had during the pandemic, there were so many people who kept sending me pictures of um, you know food lines, pictures of cars lined up around the block, and taking that momentum and, and using it. You know, taking the the fist and just continuing. You know, why aren't we doing more about this? And saying, okay, let let's do more. You know, kind of using that momentum and moving forward. And the third thing I think we learned, which I think is always good to say in groups like this, because we are all such heart-led, such energetic people who really want to do so much more. And that is giving yourself and your organization some grace too, because there's always so much more to do. There's always so much more (laughs) that we can accomplish. There's always so much more to raise. There's always so many more people to feed. There's always so much more you can do. 
you're doing a lot. So give yourself a little bit of grace knowing that knowing that um, as a as a sector as a whole, this group is doing a lot of great work, a lot of it. Well said. Thanks, Christy. Um, I want to give Christy's kind of moving us into the pandemic discussion, which I absolutely want to hit on, but I want to make sure that Chad and Carrie, did you have anything else you wanted to add about employees or engaging employees? I'd add only one piece because we found it really effective, which Please. is instead of giving gifts to the winners, um, we now give checks to charities of their choice that are within our giving area. And mm. so that's really, you know, a thousand or $5,000 donate. I mean, it has to be within our giving area. It has to be a good, like, you know, we bet it, but um, doing that and then publicizing that, um, I think makes everybody feel really good. And we also get to meet a new local charity. So um, that, and I would just agree with Christy that if you can add a little crazy or you can support some crazy, um, you know, if you can put a little oxygen in there, um, that that really does work. I mean, cause it makes your job, anything you can do to make the job more fun, um, is valuable. I think one of the things I learned early on about point of sale fundraising from all of you is, um, just that competition goes a long way because being competitive against somebody like in a different area or a, diff- a different district or a different store it isn't fabulous, but when it's for a good cause, it is fabulous. You know, people are like super competitive and especially even at sort of the regional levels, they really kind of like a good competition. And there was some, I can't even remember who it was off the top of my head, but they had some ridiculous award. It was like a chicken pin or something that, you know, this particular branch got to win if they raised the most money at point of sale. And they like, it was this coveted chicken pin or whatever. It was something so silly and so funny. So I think to your point, Carrie, of, you know, anything you can do to make it a little bit more fun is fantastic. Um, Chad, I'm going to ask you from the nonprofit experience, um, what are you, what are you doing to engage employees? Like what should nonprofit organizations expect to have to do to educate employees? You talked about keeping the message simple. You talked about educating, providing little sound bites for, for employees. Yeah. What all can a, you do? You know, some of the best practices that I will share with you that some of the best practices that we've learned have been from our companies and then shared them with each other. And so, you know, from, from, I think that you need to know the mission, number one, and you need to find out a way to connect with the mission and how it's applicable to you. I think that we have some advantages there as an organization because of scale, scope, and and relevance overall. But if possible, you have to make that connection happen. And I know with several of our um, with several of our partners, all of which are all of which you've already mentioned um, up at the very very top, is that I know that one of the things essential to them, and so I'm going to say that it's a best practice is that they absolutely make it imperative that the employees know the mission um, and that they also make it a commitment that they ask every customer every time. Um, and so I think there's things that they do, but they also connect them with the mission. So if you were to, if you were to take um, a survey of all of our corporate partners at Boys and Girls Clubs of America, POS you know, related or not, they would tell you that the number one thing that you need to do in order to have a successful partnership is to connect with your local club because there's it, it comes alive when you connect with the local club. And these are not about theoretical kids. These are about those kids, the kids that are right down the street, that live in my community, that are affected by the things that are in my community. And that's what I'm actually meeting the needs of. And I think that, you know, much to Christy's point is that you do actually have to, in order to engage employees, 
You have to talk to the company about the best ways to do that. What are the guardrails? What are the guideposts? What do you need to, to do from? And ask them, what, what are the biggest things? Is it a chicken pin? Is it a pizza? Is it, you know, something, it's a, we have the same things, even internally lunch with Kevin. our own organization, <laughs> is that lunch with Kevin, it's like, it's lunch with, with our CEO. It, it is the same thing in our organization as it is, you know, with, with, with our, with our partners. So I think that those are, um, that those are very big things, but I think that making them feel part of a bigger whole by taking a pledge that they're going to know about the mission and that they're going to ask every customer. The other one is to celebrate every donation. Um, and so, you know, I, I know many companies, they'll celebrate 20 cents, just the same as they celebrate $20. And so all of it really means something. And I think that those are, are ways that you engage every employee and that every employee feels that their contribution is valued um, across the board. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Okay. Any, um, Christy kind of talked about this a little bit, but I also want to give Carrie and Chad an opportunity and Christy, feel free to weigh in um, afterwards. Any other pandemic things that you did, implemented, executed that are keepers that you are going to absolutely keep doing moving forward? You're glad you were, you know, asked to do these sorts of things. Carrie, do you have anything? I know you guys did some, you did a couple things new this year. You were asking uh, at, for donations at the drive-thru, which is not something you typically do. You did, you were one of the ones who did the in-app ask. Like, what are the keepers for you at Duncan? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the pandemic and the kind of having to rethink, um, uh, rethink the programs and rethink overall um, donations was very helpful for us, uh, for the foundation, because we could suddenly crack the drive-through, which is uh, a place at Duncan that things are moving very, very fast. And you really don't want to be adding, you don't want to add two seconds. You don't want to add this, like, what do you mean we're going to hand it to them? They're going to write their name and give it back. Christy, Chad, Megan, you guys do not want to be standing behind somebody while they're deciding what name they're going to write on, right? Right. So uh, it is... Yeah, it was had to be done differently. So you made the purchase actually on the app. You actually did not write your name on the little sticky. Um, you could add a dollar as well at the end. So we looked at basically what the options were for the app, and we picked what the we picked the items that were easiest. It doesn't actually work in every store. There's about twenty percent of stores that there's a different POS. Mm. And we just let that go. So because I think it all happened so fast. Uh, and we weren't going for perfect that we got some extras. Um, and this year again, you will see the program on um, you'll see the program on the drive through and that space is like incredibly valuable and and it's also uh, going to be on the app. And my guess is it always will be. Um, That's awesome. I love that. And part of I think what happened yeah. with the pandemic is, and I think this is true for lots of us. I saw a question over here about um, do we think it's going to this is the boom year and it's going to bust next year. I really don't because I think we, as organizations have an opportunity to show the brand that the, that the consumer really cares and that you can, I mean, the fact that Duncan's been doing this for so long and it's real and we have a relationship with nurses and we work with hospitals and we give to feeding programs. When it hit the fan, we were able to immediately call all these people we already have relationships with and make a difference for the brand and I don't think that will, I don't think it'll ever go away. I love that. And I'm hoping that so many more of these like big advances that were made in 2020 will just stick around. How about for you, Chad? 
Yeah, I think I would definitely second um, Harry's opinion on that. I don't think that it was a spike this year because we had an incredible year, but I can tell you that we also had four or five campaigns that actually did not um, activate last year for one reason or another. And we still did amazingly well. And the campaigns that did activate, some of them double or tripled or way more than that. Um, so I don't actually think that it's at the top of, of where it is. And, you know, POS giving is still the number one way, according to studies, that consumers want to give um, and that, that that's the way that they want to start and then finding out more about the organization and then becoming involved. So I think that that's, that's here to stay. I think that from a pandemic standpoint is that contactless is here to stay. And so we are much more comfortable scanning now than we ever were before. You scan menus, you scan bar menus, you scan all those kinds of things. So everybody's used to doing more things in app, I think, than, than ever before. And I think it's about offering incentives that are that are in app and also thinking about the experience before the actual ask is made. So I think that more companies are spending a greater amount of time talking in advance about what they're doing in terms of point of sale fundraising. So prior to the time of the ask actually coming up, there's education coming in prior to that through marketing, through advertising, through increased things that they see in the sale, through increased um advertisement within the app about what they're doing. So by the time that it rolls around for you to actually make the donation, you're primed for that already, probably three or four more times. Whereas before, I think we might've just relied on a piece of signage that was in the store, or maybe we have a sticker that's on the checkout counter. And then it was really up to whether that cashier was going to ask or not. And I think that there's a lot that have talked that have talked to us about what is the whole journey of how we can get some education in there. Um, the other one, and so the coin shortage, yes, I'll definitely use that, but the coin shortage is indicative of something else, um, is that that was a business need. So yes, there was a coin shortage in America, but it was a business need because I don't have coins to give you. So I'm gonna really provide a lot of incentives that you don't need those coins. <laughs> So, so, you know, I want you to do it on credit card. I want you to do it in, you know, whatever pay, contactless pay that you're going to do. But I really drove you towards that. That was a business need. It also helped some of the things that we talked about earlier, which was how do we speed up the sale, right? Um, and then I think that, that um, you know, collaboration was also a key is that we had many more collaborations than we did before. Um, so, you know, whether it was in a retailer having a capsule collection that brought attention to some other things that we were doing that happened at the same time as we were doing POS fundraising. So there were more things in the store that would bring you to that point. Um, so I think that those are some pandemic learnings. Um, and, and, you know, face-to-face -face will be reduced in some capacity. It's never going to go back to what it was before. You know, it's, it's this whole thought about you know, we're going to just go back. It's like, no, we're not going back. We're just going forward. And now there's new aspects of it. So I think that those are, you know, business need. Um, I think uh, the ability with online and in-app and integrations. Um, and then, you know, we're we're comfortable with the fact that I, I really think that we're going up. I think that you'll see those numbers spike from what you did last year when you have this report. I hope so. That's awesome. Those are really, really... Uh... Great, great examples, Chad. Thank you so much. Brittany, hi, Brittany, is giving you a shout out in the chat. Um, 
hundred percent with lots of percent numbers after <laughs> it. Good job. All right, Christy, anything yeah. else you would like to add? We've got to start wrapping up here in a minute, but um, I want to give you an opportunity as well. You guys are doing a great job um, with your Q and A, and I would encourage our panelists to go ahead and, if you want to answer any of these, uh, to type the answer in the Q and A. Feel free to do that too. Go ahead, Christy. Yeah, I just have some encouraging news, and that is so far in 2021, the um, dollars that we're raising at the tech stand is continuing to be higher than it was in. Yeah. That's awesome. The generosity of the customers has main has has continued, um, at least thus far. We're seeing. Yeah, we're seeing that too. All right, rapid round, last minute, because we we have to wrap it up here. But for each of you, what are you watching moving forward as it relates to point of sale? Just a very quick rapid round. Like what is like catching your attention that you're excited about moving forward? Chad, then Carrie, then Christy. Let's see. Um, you know, I think that I'm taking a look at um, campaigns and and how how creative they are in flexing what we learned and how much we're incorporating everything in and, and retaining parts of it. And that I, I think that it's great because I think that companies are more open to different ideas, whereas before it was this single focus, we're doing cashier ask, that's it. Um, and I really think that everybody's more open um, to just what is what is that total experience? Love it. Carrie. So I'd love to see, find ways that we can use Zoom more effectively to communicate with crew, to communicate mm. uh, and get people more engaged. I, you know, a year ago, the idea of being on a Zoom with 200 people seemed really stupid. Uh, now, it's, now it seems like a very effective way to communicate. Bite your tongue, Carrie. <laughs> well, I mean, two years ago, like you never would have sat oh, at teasing. home and come in. But now it's super common and is a very effective way to communicate that, you know, we might not have understood uh, how many people could do it off of their phones. Crew could do it. Um, I'm excited about how to how to implement some of this new technology into how we communicate. Awesome, Christy. Diversification of revenue streams. I think not you know not just at POS, not just asking there. I, I am looking a lot, and it is very difficult. Thank you for recognizing <laughs> to get IT to integrate some of this into your apps, et cetera. Um, but I think there are also other um, diversifications that we can use, thinking about the company as a whole and all the assets that the company has to bear, and not just um, that one lane of POS um, ask. Awesome. Um, well, Chad, Christy, and Carrie, thank you so much for sharing your expert insights with us. I know that I learned something new. I trust everyone on the line did as well. Mm-hmm.